Welcome to PosterSpy.com's official podcast. I'm Jack Woodhams, founder of the website and your host. In this episode, I sit down with UK-based illustrator Cy Hurd. Cy has been a freelance illustrator for over a decade. His work is immediately recognisable, with gothic elements often juxtaposed with vibrant, almost neon-style colours, and in this episode, we discuss his current work, handling finances as a freelancer, how he finds new clients, and so much more. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sai. No worries. I'm actually really excited to sit and chat with you. I've been meaning to do this podcast thing for a long time now. The first thing I want to talk about is your officially licensed print through More Art Gallery. Now, that was for Sonic, which, by the way, was an awesome print. I'm kind of interested to learn a bit more about how working with a gallery differs from working with your typical clients. So obviously I know there's a very different process, for, but for people who maybe haven't worked with galleries before, mm-hmm. how do those processes differ? I guess with this one, it was more of a case of me coming up with a concept and then sending it across. Um, I know that's the same as client work, but normally it's a bit of a faster process. Um, this one was different in the sense that I would send it across and then wait, get a bit of feedback um, like months down the line. The differences between the two, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. Uh, I'm not sure what to say about that one. So so really not that different? Um, not in the, no, not really, to be honest, yeah. And I guess that'll probably be quite comforting for people looking to work with galleries, because I think that sometimes the idea of working with a gallery can be daunting for a lot of illustrators that have never done it before. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably a case of like building up to it um, by working on other client work in the background um, over time you do naturally get more confident um, and then when something like this comes along it's kind of another project in a sense so I didn't really think of it as necessarily a gallery type thing it was more like doing another piece of art and obviously I've done quite a lot over the last few years um so yeah technically the process was the same but there is a different aspect to it in the sense that when you work with a gallery the idea is that the artwork will then be sold to fans and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so was there any kind of extra pressure on your end feeling that you needed to make something that people would actually you know buy at the end of it whereas a client work you know you're working more for just a client and and what they do with the work really is is nothing to uh be concerned about on your end yeah whereas with this you know that's it's, it's very different so this one because it was a progression from the pokemon artwork that i did beforehand which was the same sort of style um and that was super popular so i kind of already knew that it would potentially be a good seller um which is better for me because then i kind of um have something to go off with that and then so I wanted to do something similar style-wise. Um, so yeah, I set it up. Uh, if you look at them side by side, the technically the composition is the is kind of the same. Um, obviously, with the different characters and slightly more like different different parts to it. Um, so yeah, I had the confidence in the beginning, knowing that it probably would be popular based on something that I'd already produced. So that was the first gallery you've worked with. Are there any others you'd like to work with? Um, Probably Vice Press or Grey Matter Art, I think. Maybe I Am 8-Bit as well would be good to get some stuff in there. 
Um, I am uh, currently working with Galleries uh, 1988 on some of the projects with them, which is ongoing, um, has been for the last kind of couple of years. So nice. Can few... you talk about any of those? Well, the previous ones. Uh, yeah. So the last one I did in, when was that? Last month, I think, was for the fake Gig Posters 3 show. Nice. which is where the artists come up with like a fake gig poster based on a movie or like a TV show, like a fictional type poster. Um, so I did uh, Beavis and Butthead, the movie. Um, there's a scene in that where Beavis eats like the the deadly cactus. So I based it on that and he has like some weird trip out and it goes into like a Rob Zombie rock video. So that's what I based the artwork on for that one. And that was the last show I did with them. So, And do you find those shows are beneficial for you? Do you feel like other artists should also try and look at taking part in that kind of thing? It's good to do it to test the water because um, you don't know exactly what's going to sell. I think through Galleries 1988, they like most of the clients will buy stuff that's slightly whimsical or um, kind of retro looking, I guess, in in general. Or they like sort of quirky stuff like 3d things um or objects as well which i haven't gone into i did actually do some skateboards uh when was it last year sets of skateboards for them as well and um, sold one of the sets so that was a bit of an experiment um so i would say yes it's good to test it out find out uh do like small print runs first let's say of 10 prints one show test the water if they sell then you can print some more if they don't then you know maybe you need to kind of have a rethink about what you're going to do um for the future shows that's quite interesting and i've you know you, you do a lot of different work and you, it's not just posters even though a lot of what people see online might just be some of your poster work mm -hmm. so when it comes to diversifying what you do as an artist how important do you feel that is for you know the artist actually getting some experience doing different things um, I think it's really important. I mean, you can literally put your sort of art on anything if you think about it, but it depends what you're into, really. Um, I, over the years, have kind of come to the conclusion that I like doing merchandise artwork the best. So T-shirts, um, branding for like packaging and things like that would be cool. Um, I have done some of that before. Um, like the skateboards is quite good because it's like a different type of, uh, media like printed or you can sublimate onto wood which is cool um so in a way the post is kind of where it starts or it's like it puts picture art in context first and then you can branch out to all the different other areas of uh what you want to work in sort of thing so and is there a reason that merch particularly appeals to you i don't know i think because when i was younger i i was like a bit of a weird skate kid at art college and I liked all the sort of funky skateboarding brands and, you know, like Santa Cruz artwork, which is mad. Um, and a lot of kind of the artists around that. Um, so that's probably where it all started. Plus, I like a lot of like rock music and obviously horror stuff. And it all sort of ties together and looks really cool on T-shirts. So that's pretty much um, where that started. But I also really enjoy collecting hoodies and I've always been like that with with like sort of repeat patterns and stuff like that so 
that leads me really nicely into my next question. So you graduated university around 2000 and a lot has changed in the design world since then. But how have you changed? Do you feel like you've progressed along the similar path that you wanted when you were at uni? Because obviously, you know, Sai, when he was at uni, would have had an idea of where he wanted to be now. Mm-hmm. Have you followed closely to that or has your idea of design and everything like that changed quite a bit? Well, I've always been drawing. I wasn't necessarily always drawing in jobs like as in hardcore drawing um it was more like graphic design backgrounds but i had i worked for 10 years in-house at various different places um agencies a fashion house a crazy opticians in london and i was doing like shop window displays as long as well as design for the shop which also had a coffee shop so i was doing all their design um uh so yeah it's sort of I didn't really have a plan. Um, actually, my first job was designing books, so which I haven't done a lot of over the last few years. Um, so that kind of evolved into other design areas. But um, I was—I always wanted to draw, but I didn't really have the inclination to sit down and focus on it when I was a bit younger because I was probably too busy going out, having fun with my friends and doing what I had to do to get the get the bills paid but the industry was completely different back then like you said um i remember buying my first gen- second generation ipod um as, and as i walked to work i would use that you know like the spit clicky wheel ones and that was about as modern as it was back then um so yeah there wasn't any social media um it was it was more a case of like go to work do your nine to five or whatever it is go to the pub, have fun with your friends, do it again tomorrow, <laughs> just keep going. And then when you sort of reach a logical point within your particular job, um, find another design job. And that's what I did for like 10 years. So It's interesting how your career path has kind of diverted from one thing to the other. And I always feel almost as if, you know, people ask me sometimes, how, how have you got to where you've gotten to, was supposed to buy like a plan, that kind of thing. And I always tell people that, I have never really had like a solid plan. It it seems to be like, you know, a job will come in, you'll do that. Then something else might come in, you'll do that. You know, if it appeals to you and it's something you want to do. And I think that's such an important thing to express to people looking at getting into any kind of career, you know, especially people graduating and stuff. Because there's this kind of idea and, you know, it partly is probably because of social media that people will come out of uni and they'll just be getting their job that and their dream job potentially straight off the bat. You know, they're going to do something. However, the reality, I think, for a lot of people is they have been bouncing around different things for like a long time. And that's really how you find yourself as a creator, as an artist, as whatever. Because I think a lot of the time we just don't know what we want to do. And it sounds to me that that was a similar case for you. Yeah. I, my background's pretty diverse, to be honest. But because of that, sometimes I'll be doing my artwork, which I spend most of my time doing now, and something will pop in from five years ago that I was working on, and it would be like a kind of nod to what I'm actually working on within the artwork. I'm a bit of a free spirit uh, in terms of what jobs come in as well. So one job might lead to the next, and it might not be necessarily what I've planned out, but I kind of like that aspect where... You don't necessarily know what's coming around the corner. You might get a run with jobs that are exactly the same in terms of what they actually are. 
um but you won't find out um so you won't find out until you've kind of got the jobs and then you actually think oh I've had like four jobs doing medical illustrations. I mean, that happened to me like a few years ago. I think I remember you mentioning it, yeah. Where it was like different clients as well. Um, and it wasn't, this was before I started doing like my kind of signature style, I guess, but, or one that I was happy to like step and repeat. Um, so yeah, I went through a phase of like, it's about a year and a half, got like four different jobs that were based on drawing parts of the body. So, and it, to be honest, it was quite, it was quite cool because I like the structure of stuff as well. Um, I find that, that the structured jobs like that balance out my super creative jobs. Um, so I need them to try and kind of take the steam off a bit with the stuff that goes really out there, um, which is, yeah, it's quite nice to like do like a brochure design or something like that, and then go back to drawing loads of skulls and crazy shit. So it sort of balances, one balances the other thing out. Well, you mentioned about the structure, and I think, again, that's another important thing. You know, if, if you're doing a lot of uh, work for yourself, so self-initiated artwork that, you know, is not through a client or something like that, mm-hmm. when there's not a structure to it, you know, often you can put it off or you can just take your time with it. But I think sometimes it's nice as a reminder to, like, work with a company that might put a bit of pressure on and it just kind of puts you on your toes a little bit which is quite nice sometimes yeah definitely i mean i'm not against like any jobs really um in terms of what it is um it's it's, it's just a case of getting a balance uh between the two i think well i think something that interested me and you showed me this a while ago was your more sort of corporate website which had your artwork that really no one in this community sees so most people in the poster community will be listening to this podcast yeah will know you for your poster work and not mm-hmm. even know the side of you that does all of this other work and you know again that really does sort of make a point of how important it is to have those different sides to you and sort of fingers in different pies just in case you know the poster stuff might get a bit quiet one time or vice yeah. versa to be honest I mean, those sort of more standard graphic design jobs are the jobs that's going to pay, they're going to pay your bills mostly, in my experience. I'm not saying that's the same for everyone, but um, that's your bread and butter work. And most of the time, the fun stuff is not as well paid. So, um, yeah, it's a case of like balancing the two out, I think, or having um trying to get uh, the client work in the background and also working on your poster artwork at the same time well what's really amazing to me is the fact that you've been freelancing since 2010 which is a huge achievement you know i run posters by myself and i know how scary it can be not really knowing when the next job is going to come in what would you say you've learned in terms of handling finances and getting regular work because i think for a lot of artists who are thinking of going freelance that's like the scariest thing isn't it the idea of going freelance and then there's just nothing so how have you found navigating those issues well i think it's the fear that drives you when it comes to freelance so if you let the fear take over you and actually turn it into you trying to get the jobs working your ass off to do it um and then putting things into place along the way um, like getting a good accountant, setting aside 
at least 25% of your money that you get paid into a separate account um, just to cover yourself. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what else to say about that. Well, it's funny you mentioned about the account thing because I did that my first year when I was setting up the business. I completely forgot to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the tax came around and I was like, Oh no! <laughs> I yeah. Had this had this tax bill, and I just well, I was able to pay it, but at the time it was such a shock because I hadn't done that prep and putting the money in the side because uh, that is really important. I do I do that all the time now. So as soon as the job comes in, twenty five percent. You know, to be honest, even more sometimes just in case you need to cover those extra fees or yeah. random bills that come in that you weren't expecting. It's always good to have that little uh, you know rainy day fund if you like. Yeah, so I overcompensate basically with that as well, like you just said. And then at the end of the tax year, you've got a nice little bit of savings, which will normally, on a normal year, you will sit back and go, wow, okay, now I can work on some something that I actually really want to work on like, and not worry about getting paid for it because I've got a bit of cash behind me that I've accidentally saved up in a way um, in that second account. And has there ever been a time over this, you know, decade plus where you've been freelancing that you've ever thought ah, maybe I should you know not do this anymore have you, have you ever thought or been convinced to you know go back to an agency or an in-house job yeah I thought about lots of different things along those lines um I even thought I've had enough of this I'm going to get a job in Wendy's burgers and just flip burgers um but that was just me probably being self-torturous at the time but yeah it is tough um you just got to try and try and keep going with stuff and then it does turn around eventually it's just a case of like juggling everything my brain naturally thinks two or three months ahead now in terms of cash and what's coming up and then I think oh I need to pay that I need to do that so I need to get a job for that and then I need to get that amount if I get like a 500 quid job that'll pay for like I don't know house insurance and um, a vet fee if it happens or something like that so I'm always kind of trying to think two steps ahead i think you have to be a bit like that with freelancing um you do get days when you get down and you think oh i can't do this anymore which but you have to just ride the wave and then somehow kick yourself up the arse again and get back on track um but if you do get those down days it's fine as well um because that's normally a sign of burnout probably so yeah don't be too hard on yourself but just try and try and pick yourself up and keep going and keep kind of active even if it's like small things in the background so yeah I find even just going for like a walk once or twice a day is so good just for like mental health you know just getting out Mm -hmm. getting out of the space you've been in for the whole day because I think I mean I work from home and I know there's a lot of people that will go outside to you know an office or something and work from like a shared community space but I don't have the opportunity. And what I do instead now is, you know, I'll go to a coffee shop a few times a week. I have to make that effort to get out in terms of headspace and just seeing that life exists outside this room <laughs> as yeah. well, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Um, for me personally, I my I haven't really got like a specific structure each week. So I structure that by playing badminton on certain days. So I know that that's kind of what I've got in terms of structure of a standard week that is so that's my time when I go spend two hours playing badminton and just switch off don't think about artwork don't check my phone or try not to during that two-hour period and then just kind of that's my stress relief so 
and you know you touched on those times where it can be really quiet and then you don't really know you know when a job will come in yeah well when you don't get that regular work and you are kind of like you said almost thinking shall i go work in a shop which by the way i've i've had that as well during covid when you know work really was drying up i um I mean, I was even, you know, I was considering just going and working at a coffee shop or something just to, you know, help pay the bills. And, you know, I'd have no issue doing that. You know, you've got to do what you've got to do. And to be honest, I probably would have quite liked it. Um, but, you know, when it comes to actually finding the work again, what are you actively doing? A lot of social media, looking around job websites, reaching out to old clients. Um, I go to networking events occasionally. There's one good one, which is local to me in Brighton, which is in a pub which is helpful so it's not kind of uh passing your business cards under the table at a breakfast meeting which i've done once actually and to be honest it probably works for some people but not for me um so yeah that's a bit more casual uh yeah basically just i don't know trying everything to get your name out there um i keep lists as well of old clients and like shuffling um like say a list of like 100 people that i've interacted with uh over the years and then over time it kind of changes and I add in new people and take out like the older people, uh, not older as in age, but like people that I haven't spoken to for years and kind of put them to the side and then basically shuffle that around. And then uh, from time to time I'll contact people towards the top of the list. Um, keep spreadsheets as well, which is handy. So you can tell right down the dates that you've contacted and how many times you've done it. Um, yeah and basically just i'm always thinking of ways to try and drum up um new projects in that zone of different ideas so when it comes to your poster work because obviously you know we've spoken a bit about your less less uh public client work and things like that mm -hmm. but when it comes to your poster work you know you have a very distinct style i'd say it's very unique compared to what other artists are putting out in fact i don't really know any artists who are putting out a similar style do you feel like that has been a hindrance or a benefit in terms of getting new work? It's a bit of both. Um, I like the fact that it's different and unique. Um, and I like my process, which is probably slightly unorthodox compared to most people. Like I'm not really a painter type. I do all my textures mostly in Illustrator, whereas a lot of people would probably have a breakdown if they did that. Um, cause it, it, it really takes a long time and a lot of patience and a lot of spinning wheels and splitting files and re-piecing them together into Photoshop. So if it's an image of a person, I'll have a, I'll save out the file. One file is a head, one file is left arm, one file right arm, one file torso, and then the separate legs, and then re-piece them into Photoshop in order for the file not to corrupt in Illustrator or get too big so that it ends up just unusable. Um, so that's kind of how I work in a, the loosest sense. But that's, I think, how I get a style that's maybe a bit different to other people. Um, obviously, I'm not aware of like uh, how others work behind the scenes, like in depth, but that's my kind of guess. I've got my custom brushes as well, which helps make it a bit different. Um, but yeah, if it, is it hindrance? I would say it's hard if you've got an individual style and there's um, other people being chosen as painters. That's like the in thing at the time. 
and you're kind of on the graphic side of stuff or have like something a bit weird um that's when it becomes a bit difficult to get the jobs but it's i don't know it's, it's just finding the people that trust trust you to do the job and they're into your style but you will get people that don't like it as well which is fine but for every person that doesn't like your style there's another person that loves it so you can't please everyone it's kind of niche i guess yeah there, there is that kind of issue i guess surrounding artwork as a whole and what and trends and what people see a mm. lot online and i've seen so many artists you know people using posts by every you know a lot of people online they will change their style sometimes to replicate or match what is popular at the time and although i can totally understand the reason for doing it if you know if you feel like your style isn't working and you may you may get more jobs you know doing a style that is more similar to what is popular i i get it but I also feel like it's such a shame because not only are you sort of taking away that unique aspect that you bring to your own art, but also, like you said, there, there will be someone that wants that eventually. And mm -hmm. I definitely think there is. I think for any artist out there, you know, listening to this who are having a bit of a, an identity crisis with their own art, you know, and feeling like their work isn't, you know, the, the right style or popular or, you know, just not the right look to get the jobs just stick at it because eventually you know you'll make a piece that will be all you in terms of your style and what you want to be doing and it will become popular and it will get some traction i did want to talk about your uh previous work in terms of acrylic painting so you used to do a lot of stuff with acrylics and spray paint and you know that's something that i think probably no one has really seen I don't think online, especially in this circle, in terms of poster art. Yeah, I went through a phase of like painting. That was before I kind of found my digital style. Um, I am thinking about doing some more paintings. I just haven't got around to it. And it is a lot more messy than actually just using a Mac to do all the work for you. Um, I used to paint lots of dead rabbits over and over and over again and it's a bit of a story about that but i'm not sure if i want to get into it i, I kind of really want to know this story now <sighs> okay I feel like you can't say that and then not say it that's just so unfair basically when i was a kid i went on a holiday uh with the beavers i believe it was a barge trip and we stopped off at a quarry and there were loads of rabbits within this white quarry and they were all dying of myxomatosis and i found one when i was on my own i can't remember how i managed to get on my own in the wood but i picked it up and it died in my hands because it was so scared but it's all its eyes were like almost like bleeding this myxomatosis out of its eyes and so that's that so i forgot about this memory and then probably in about 2011 or 2012 suddenly came back to me i was like right art therapy time and that's when i started painting lots of pictures based around dead rabbits so and that's kind of where i started getting more back into art and drawing as a whole i guess like doing my own concepts rather than other people's work so that's the so story. That, story's, that story's got a bit of a double-edged sword then. It's like, you know, 
terrible, sad story, but also <laughs> pushed you mm. to start getting more into your artwork and discovering yourself as an artist. So I basically see that as my watership down moment <laughs> in real life. <laughs> but it's fine. Yeah, I just wanted to turn it into something positive, like, which is basically what art therapies are about. So it's like putting all your feelings down on some sort of artwork and yeah turning it into like a nice well i say nice but like a visually pleasing image i guess so so i feel like now is a good time to talk about terra twos which okay. is a annual community project led by you and cherry chapman yeah there are 31 artists involved in this every single day in october they'll release a different one different mm -hmm. piece of work how did that project come about and because I, you know, from running posts by community projects are very demanding. They're stressful. They usually have great rewards at the end. You know, you've done something really cool with a with a group of people, but the process can often be very daunting and stressful. And you know, especially with Terra Twos being released right now, a lot of people will be seeing the artwork coming out, and and sometimes you just see that final product and you go, "Oh, that's really awesome." Mm -hmm. But what they don't know is that you and Sherry have spent like months you know organizing this with the artist the artists have spent weeks potentially months doing the artwork so yeah, just tell me a bit about that process and how that works every year well me and sherry did a halloween collaboration a couple of years ago for american werewolf between ourselves um, and just put it out for the halloween period and then we were chatting and i can't remember exactly how it happened but i wanted to start this Terra Tease thing, which is going around in my head for a couple of years. And I think I spoke to Sherry and she was like, yeah, that's really cool. Um, a really good idea. And um, so then we put an open call out on Twitter for artists just to sit, like test the water with it and see if anyone was interested. Um, and yeah, all the spaces, which is 31 for every day of October, um, got snapped up in about an hour, I think it was like through DMs and people that were interested. Um, and then the people outside of that have been added to a waiting list. So then I said, uh, well, sorry, we decided to set up like a chat group on Twitter and add everyone into it. Because the idea was behind this, that it was so shit during COVID, that we wanted to do something nice and get to know people a bit more online not necessarily in the public eye, but like behind the scenes, like the other artists that we always talk to. Um, and yeah, kind of use it as like a group to like G, G each other up and sort of support each other, um, as well as producing some nice artwork for a show together as 31 artists. So it's really about the artists themselves. And it's not about the people that set it up like me and Sherry, that's one thing that we're adamant of like getting across. It's about the artwork and the artists involved, not the founders. Well, I think it's a, a wonderful thing you've done. And, you know, I've been in the group now on, on Twitter because PostSpy does have a, has a uh, important part to play in it sometimes. But I feel like what you've done is, is great. The fact that these artists are coming together and doing these pieces of work and and they're they're phenomenal like all of the pieces have been brilliant so far you know what's been released this year and what came out last year as well was, was great where do you see terra twos going because i feel like it's it's at a point where you know it's built this great community 
the artwork's always consistently brilliant. I mean, personally, I would love to see some sort of like Terra 2s almost almost as like a, a brand with the artist, you know, coming up with these horror things and, and doing some really cool stuff. I mean, you've already you've already got the attention of filmmakers like Mike Flanagan saw your recent stuff and supported the project, which is amazing to see that kind of, you know, interest in the project. Do, do you have any ideas of where you'd like to see it go? Or for now, do you want to just keep it smaller and, and just do it as like the, the community project you're doing now? Basically this year we repeated what we did last year with the same artist because we got such good rapport with them in the group and we're all friends. I like to think we're all friends. Um, and we're all friends. <laughs> we are all friends. And uh, so, yeah, we wanted to do the same again. And actually the artwork that's come out this year, last year was really good, right? And I don't want to take away from that, but the, this year's artwork has, is so much better, I think, than it was last year, which is really great to see as well that everyone's kind of, got a bit more confident and maybe evolved a little bit so in terms of where it's going to go i don't know there's talk of doing a double show like doubling up because we've got enough people on the waiting list to do double double the amount um so i don't know i need to think about it me and sherry need to talk about it um and also neil in the background which i Got to mention that her, um, sorry, Neil and Sherry did a lot of behind the scenes stuff, contacting people and getting people interested in the show. Um, I kind of refocused on the rest of the sort of other background tasks. Um, but yeah, just want to make sure that people know that, that those two together did a lot. Um, so yeah, where are we going to go with it? Um, I think we're just going to see what happens. It might build into like some sort of sponsored project or something like that, or I don't know, really. I'd quite like to potentially do some sort of crowdfunding project. You, you've mentioned throughout the podcast about how you discovered your true art style. Uh, and we've kind of touched on it briefly. But w what made you sort of settle on that? Because clearly you've experimented with a lot of different things throughout the years. But what then made you say, okay, this, this is it? Because I think that's another thing artists really struggle with. I mean, artists even struggle with making a piece of artwork and saying they're done with it because there's always things people want to add and change. So how did you come up then with that final look and say, that's it, this is my style? So I always loved working in vectors for a start. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted it to be edgy. I knew it had to be like horror-based because everything I draw is dark, like I said before, in tone. Um, and really, the the one piece of artwork was when I actually found my style was the Donnie Darko art um, that I did a few years back. That was like the pinnacle moment when I was like, that's what I want to take and then repeat over and over again. So what I did to do that is set, set myself some boundaries like I mentioned about the process. So repeat the process, use the same brushes in the same ways, um, add in the drips, uh, limit the colors, um, and keep them quite bright. But the subject matter would be dark. So it basically balances out. And then just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and then build on it and then add in some extra bits and then sort of change 
some textures here and there along the lines. Um, and that's what I did. And then I started to change my style again based on software limitations because I couldn't do the full piece in Adobe Illustrator because what I was doing was too complicated and it was basically crashing out. So that's when I started splitting files from Illustrator and replacing assets into Photoshop. And that naturally pushed me a bit more into like, I guess, painting backgrounds. Um, like I said, I'm not, wouldn't consider myself a painter, but I can paint, but obviously not like the masters out there. Um, definitely more of like a vector victor rather than a painter. So, um, yeah, that's how my style evolved, literally down to software limitations. Um, and that's where I'm at at the moment. Well, Sai, that brings me nicely to the end of the first ever Poster Spy podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Thank you for listening to the Poster Spy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. If you're looking for daily design inspiration, visit posterspy.com and follow us on Twitter at Poster Spy for all of the latest updates. <laughs>